0: What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the New Vision podcast, where we're currently walking through the gospel of Mark. My name is Scott Reader, I'm the Director of Biblical Counseling at New Vision. I'm excited that I get the opportunity over the next three podcasts to help introduce, explain, and finally make application to three encounters Christ had with the religious leaders of that day as He proceeded to the cross of Calvary on our behalf. So today we're going to cover the first encounter in Mark chapter 12 verses 13 through 17. Now, let's take a quick moment to remember the context for where we are in Mark's gospel and further understand the context of the building persecution of Christ. We understand that his time has now come. Now, make no mistake, up until this time, there were encounters where Christ kind of intentionally withdrew from confrontation, even stating things like, my time has not yet come. What time? Well, the time to be delivered up, and give his life as the sacrificial substitute to satisfy the wrath of God concerning the sin of mankind. And so now it is he's going to the cross to fully fulfill the entire law. He's going to pay the penalty, give his life as a ransom uh, for many. He will accomplish all that they've been trying to do through the religious, civil, ceremonial laws, and even moral, pious posturing of the Jewish religious leaders of his day. So we pick up now just after a series of miracles, including miraculous healings and feedings and water walking and storm stopping and and demon casting, and we now see that Christ is ready, all things are ready, and essentially, he's making a beeline to the cross. Now, in this journey to the cross, he's, he's telling these stories and parables, and each is very carefully crafted to both teach the disciples, but also to challenge, rebuke, and, and even condemn the religious leaders of the day. And these religious leaders, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, they're, they're becoming more and more infuriated with these parables because they know they are ultimately designed to rebuke them. And I also believe a real turning point in this journey to the cross is right after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where Christ heads over to the temple, turns over the table, drives out the corrupt money changers, and those that are, are selling these sacrificial animals for, for unjust profits. And then, and then he quickly follows that with another parable, which, which you should have heard yesterday on yesterday's podcast. And that parable is that of the vine growers. And, and this is where he's totally condemning them. He concludes this encounter by stating that they wanted to seize him um, because they know he's rebuking them. But they feared the people, so they, so they let him go. What is the plan then? Well, they, they being the religious council, send a series of Jewish religious leaders from every front to try and trap him up and then possibly somehow win favor back to themselves with the people and perhaps rid themselves of this one who is disrupting their whole corrupt quasi-religious political system. And so all of that is just context. And over the next 3 days we're going to examine each of these encounters and see how masterfully the son of God responds to their attempts to trap him up. So let me read this first encounter with the first is with the Pharisees. Tomorrow we'll look at a second encounter with the Sadducees and then finally one with the scribes. I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter 12 verses 13 through 17. And I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus then said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God that are God's. And they marveled at him. Okay, so quickly, how are the Pharisees trying to trap him? Well, they fully expect he will condemn the government and tell the people not to support it and do not pay your taxes. Ah, then we have an insurrectionist. Or they might, he might say, pay your taxes which in this day would be really unpopular with those who felt oppressed and taken, exam- taken kind of advantage of by, by the governing authorities, by a corrupt government. So what is the plan? Well, perhaps they can put him in direct opposition to the political atmosphere of the day. In fact, they brought along some Herodians who were some of the corrupt political leaders during that time. Truth is, the Pharisees hated the Herodians, as a political force, but they, they bring him along anyway, hoping to conspire against, uh, to entrap Jesus, since they both viewed him as a threat. Well, Christ gives them the exact response they did not want to their trap question, which was essentially, uh, the question was, should we pay our taxes? And Jesus answers, in short, yes, pay your taxes. Jesus says, hey, let me me see one of your coins, uh, a Daenerys, which was a day's wages. Who's on that coin? They say, well, it's Caesar. He says, well, then give to Caesar what is his. But then he adds, but give to God what belongs to him. Well, What belongs to God? Everything. Everything. Here's the thing. Caesar's image is stamped on the coin. So the coin belongs to Caesar. But God's image is stamped on the person, and therefore we owe our whole self to God. And this is to include, uh, but should not be limited to, our, soul, our very souls and certainly our worship. Now, while every passage of Scripture has just one meaning, I think there are always numerous applications. Let me quickly suggest two, as we close today, that should inform our attitudes and our actions towards both money and government. The first is this. I would suggest to you to hold money, possessions, and wealth very loosely. Listen, God owns everything, and you're not taking anything with you. And he is a God who can bring forth or take away any measure of financial wealth in an instant. And please hear me. Money in and of itself is not evil, but there's no mistake that the love of money is the source of all kinds of evil. And many a person has made a shipwreck of their faith, over the love of money. The scripture clearly states that it is wise to keep your life free from the love of money, Hebrews 13, five, understanding that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in the pursuit of wealth, many have indeed wandered away from the faith. So first, let's always remember to hold our money, our possessions, and our wealth uh, in this life very loosely. A second application for today as Christian citizens, uh, we're to respect and obey government authority. It's clear from many scriptures. Certainly the Apostle Paul addresses this at length in Romans chapter 13. In verses uh, 13, 1 and 2, he states, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And then the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 13 uh, and following says, uh, Listen, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who are doing wrong and to commend those who do right. So in short, Christians are called to obey and submit to government authority as since they are understood as being established by God. Now that is not to say that all governments are godly. In fact, in Acts 5, 29, the apostle Paul would say we must obey God rather than human authorities when there is indeed a conflict between the two. But Christians in a general sense are called to obey and submit to the government because human government is part of God's plan for this world. Uh, Certainly, as I said, we don't agree um, that governments uh, are biblical in every sense, or we don't blindly follow any and all government directives, but we do respect the authority of the government, meaning things like we do pay our taxes and we follow the laws and regulations so long as they don't come in conflict with God's commands. Okay, well, uh, two applications, maybe not what you were expecting, uh, pay your taxes and um, obey the government, but uh, those are marks of a good uh, Christian citizen. Uh, So come back tomorrow, we'll cover the next attempt by the Sadducees to try and trip up Christ as he, again, is moving toward the cross.